Welcome to Victory Church Winchester, Virginia's weekly podcast. Our desire is that you will find Victory a place to call home. Please take a moment to subscribe and share. Here is this week's message from our Sunday morning worship experience. Book of Acts, chapter 20, verse 28. And then for those of you that are advanced, you can turn toward the end of the Bible in the New Testament. There's a book called 1 Peter. So if you're really advanced and you can do two scriptures at the same time, please do so. Um, those of you that have downloaded the Victory Church app, you know that you can follow along with our app notes there on the Victory Church app. Um, so be a note taker. Be a note taker. Be a world changer. Come on. You got to write these um, nuggets. You got to write the, these words of wisdom down. And, uh, and I've even made it fun. It's fill in the blank. I've got multiple choice. True, false. Something like that. I, I'm making some stuff up, but follow along with us there. All right. Here we go. Acts chapter 20, verse 28. Are you ready to hear a word from God today? Are you ready to hear a word from God today? If you're online, you're ready to hear a word from God. Put some praise hands on there. And uh, we're ready to go into, get into the word today. All right. The apostle Paul is speaking to the Ephesian elders in this text today. Uh, the writer is a man named Luke, the physician. He has written the book, the gospel of Luke. And he's also written the book of Acts. He's written to it to us that we might um, have an account of the life of Jesus, an account of the early church, and the incredible things God did by his spirit through the church. Aren't, aren't you glad God's not finished with us, but he continues to do through the church. Acts chapter 20, verse 28. Therefore, Paul is talking to the Ephesian elders, take heed to yourselves and to the flock he's talking about the church among whom the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God which he purchased with his own blood in other words God is saying I died and shed my blood it's the blood of God that was shed for the church now I want you to go over to 1 Peter. We're going to begin reading in verse 1. This letter is from Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. You remember Peter. Peter, the wild and crazy follower of Jesus. The one that cussed. Come on. The one that Jesus met on the shores of Galilee, the fishermen. And Jesus said, come and follow me. The one that was the first one to have the revelation that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, right? The one in whom he, in the Garden of Gethsemane, he chopped the ear off of the soldier. He was down for the cause, but just a few moments later, he would be denying the Lord three times. This man had an incredible life and had an incredible experience with Jesus. Jesus then restored him right back to relationship with himself as Peter repented and then God said to him I'm not finished with you yet you're gonna preach you're gonna receive my Holy Spirit and on the day of Pentecost you're gonna preach and thousands of people are going to be saved we find this same Peter at Cornelius's house preaching the first message outside of the Jewish community to a group of people known as the Gentiles those were outside of the Jewish faith and the Holy Spirit came upon them in great power as he preached. 
that same Peter that is writing this letter today, that same Peter who, as Fox Book of Martyrs would tell you in, in church history, was leaving the city of Rome during a great persecution. And as he was leaving the city of Rome, saw Jesus entering back into the city, had a vision of Jesus, said, Jesus, where are you going? He, Jesus said to him, I'm going to be crucified again. And Peter could not deny his Lord, followed him back into Rome and demanded that he be hung upside down because he was not worthy to be crucified in the same manner Jesus was. This letter is from Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. I am writing to God's chosen people who are living as foreigners in the provinces of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. God the Father knew you and chose you long ago, and His Spirit has made you holy. As a result, you have obeyed Him and have been cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ. How many are thankful that the Lord cleansed you? May God give you more and more grace and peace. How many want more and more grace from the Lord and need more and more grace and peace from the Lord? Go down to verse 17, chapter 1. Peter is exhorting them to be faithful to the Lord, to live a life that is dedicated, devoted. He's calling them to live a holy life. And he says, and remember in verse 17, that the heavenly Father to whom you pray has no favorites. He will judge or reward you according to what you do. So you must live in reverent fear of him during your time here as temporary residents. They were scattered abroad because of persecution. But it is also applicable, this text for us today, because we are in this world, but we're not of the world. We are foreigners and strangers. We are going through this world and our, our home is actually heaven. So this applies to us today. We're temporary residents here on this earth. For you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. God ransomed you. That, in another translation, it says God redeemed you. That word redemption is to purchase or to ransom by paying a debt. Let's go back to the text. You know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life in which you inherited from your ancestors. Well, what was that payment? And it was not paid with mere gold or silver, which lose their value. It was the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless lamb of God. God chose him as your ransom long before the world began and now in these last days he has been revealed for your sake through Christ you have come to trust in God and you have placed your faith and hope in God because he raised Christ from the dead and gave him great glory I want to preach in these next few moments that we have together today in person and online. I want to preach a message entitled this, The Benefits of the Blood. The Benefits of the Blood. Join your hearts with me in prayer this morning. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the opportunity that we have to gather around it. Father, I'm praying this morning, Lord, that we don't just come 
into this moment just to sing a song, attend a service, to hear a sermon, but that, God, we've come into this moment today to hear from heaven. Lord, help us to receive your word. Help us to believe your word and help us to obey your word. At the entrance of your word, your, your, your scripture says, brings light. Lord, speak into this moment today, Lord, into each of our hearts in an individual way. Let us know. Communicate to us, Lord, right where we are individually in our own lives, God, that you know and you can be trusted. Father, thank you for what you're going to do in this place today. In Jesus' name, amen? Amen. amen. Um, what do you guys know about a benefits package? Huh? Um, when I was first in ministry, I was at a church in Chesapeake, Virginia, which I don't, I'm not going to complain this morning. I was very grateful for the opportunity to minister and what that afforded me. And uh, it was just a small little church. I started out there. They made great sacrifices for me to be on staff, paid me a full-time uh, salary, full-time wage. Um, and so I was grateful. I did a little bit of this, a little bit of that, everything that you could imagine I did. And uh, it helped prepare me uh, for what I'm doing today. Um, but the, one of the things that was not offered was a benefits package. And you guys know what it's like to have a benefits package, you know, whether it's retirement, 401ks, whether it's health benefits, insurance, you know, life insurance, all these kind of things that many, many of you receive. Um, you know, in that time in which I was serving the Lord at my first position, I, I didn't, in ministry, I did not have any benefits, unless you consider the church parsonage, you know, to be a benefit. You know what the church parsonage is, right? It's like that house on the property at the church that nobody else wants to live in, okay? I mean, for real. Like, in this house, this church parsonage, like, in the springtime, we had termites because it was, like, sitting on a lot of water. We had termites. And the termites would fly throughout the house. My wife, can, she can tell you. And when you have termites like this, you also have what's called carpenter ants because they eat the termites, those carpenter ants were so big, I thought that they were going to carry my bed away and bring me outside, you know, outside of the house altogether. Safe to say that I didn't have benefits at this job. But when Pastor Dave called me, when I was ready for a transition in my life and transition in ministry, called me to come to Victory Church in 2011, we started talking about salary and these type of things, you know? And he said, and also, what do you do for your benefits package? I said, benefits package? Explain this to me. What is this that you speak of? He said, well, yeah, you know, retirement, you know, health benefits, all these kind of things. I said, you got health benefits? It was a big deal for me because we wanted to start a family, wanted to branch out, take care of ourselves personally, but also have a family. And I moved up here in large part, was a big part of the decision that we had health benefits. And we were able to have our daughter and our son now, and uh, we had an incredible uh, health benefits package. So um, just because, though, I came up here and I had obtained the benefits, come on, the benefits do not benefit you 
Come on. Unless you apply said benefits, right? Just because you have obtained the benefits doesn't mean that you are going to um, receive the benefit of those benefits unless you actually take action and apply those benefits to your life. And so if I go to the hospital, if I would have went to the hospital and uh, they said, hey, do you have health insurance? And I said, uh, yeah. But I didn't pull out my insurance card and say, here's my benefits, here's my information. Come on, how many of you know that although the benefits were purchased, they do me no good unless I apply the benefits that have been purchased for me already? Come on. There are benefits that we have in salvation, in the blood that has been shed for us, the ransom that has been paid to purchase us, there are benefits. And those benefits are not simply the removal of the burden of sin, but it's the releasing of the benefits of salvation. Salvation is a doctrine that is not necessarily and just has theological implications uh, the doctrine of salvation has practical implications. We learn through salvation in the scriptures that the character of God is both loving and just. And we find out that he is motivated through his love to pay sin's penalty and to take upon the wrath of God that you and I deserve. He paid the price that we could not pay in order that we might be free, in order that we might be saved, in order that we might have eternal life. How many are grateful for the salvation that has been provided for you through the blood of Jesus, right? But the blood of Jesus is also practical in that it impacts not only our eternal life, but it impacts our life here and now. There are certain benefits that we have that have been provided by the blood. And if you do not have this revelation of the benefits that have been offered for you, you are not going to enjoy those benefits that have been provided for you. In other words, you can have the policy, but you do not benefit from the care. Right? So it's important for us not just to get information, but that information and head knowledge would bring about revelation. Revelation is a heart knowledge. So information, revelation, and then it becomes application. For if you believe in your heart, you will confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you shall be saved. That word salvation, that word saved in the New Testament is the Greek word sozo. It means not only saved from the punishment or the penalty or the burden of your sin, but it also means that you are saved in order that you might receive the blessing of salvation, the benefits package, so to speak. So God has purchased for us benefits that have been provided by the blood. It comes through information. We, we gain understanding of, okay, God, you have provided this, but then we uh, believe in our heart, and then we confess with our mouth. We apply it to our life, and then we see not only information, revelation, application, but we receive manifestation. In other words, we receive 
the benefits or the blessing of salvation. All right? But the scripture says in Hosea 4, 6, my people perish for a lack of knowledge. We don't receive because oftentimes we don't know. If we don't know, then we cannot apply. If we do not apply, then we cannot benefit. And so this morning, the apostle Paul and Peter are addressing the church, the followers of Jesus, reminding them of the incredible price that was paid for their redemption, the precious blood, the sinless blood of Jesus. And he says that this salvation in the text is not just a taking away, but it's also a giving of the benefits package, right? It's a taking away of death and it's a giving of life. It's a taking away of guilt and of sin and of sorrow and of shame. And it's a giving of forgiveness. It's a taking away of the curse and it's a giving of the blessing. Do you see what I'm saying? So salvation is encompassing. It's holistic. It's not just uh, spiritual, but it also has physical ramifications, implications, if you would. The greatest, I've read this this week, is the greatest evangelist of the 20th century. You might have heard his name before. His name was Billy Graham. The greatest evangelist of the 19th century was a man named D.L. Moody. These two men had something in common, a particular subject that they preached about. When Billy Graham was getting started in his ministry, there was a professor from Cornell University that wrote him. And he said, Mr. Graham, you've got a lot of talent. And (laughs) you have what it takes to be a successful minister, duh. But if you want to continue to be successful, you're going to have to leave out the preaching of the blood. It's out of date and no enlightened person of the 20th century will swallow it. Well, here's what I know. Medically, when you take the blood out of the body, the body dies. In a similar way, if you take the blood, the preaching of the blood, out of the church, the, lo- the, the body of Christ, then the body of Christ will die. The Bible is not just a blessed book. The Bible is a book about blood. The mention of, of the word blood is, is mentioned 415 times in the Bible, from the beginning of Genesis, we find out that when man and woman sinned, that God killed an animal, he created a sacrifice, and he covered over their sin. We go, and throughout the scriptures, through the um, sacrificial system, through the Day of Atonement, uh, we read about Moses, how with, uh, Moses put the blood on the doorpost in, in, in Egypt, and the people of God came out as Uh, from slavery and into freedom, we find out that the blood takes a prominent place in the scriptures. We come into the New Testament, and the New Testament speaks specifically of the Lamb of God whose shed blood will take away the sins of the world. And we find from Genesis all the way to Revelation, when the Lord Jesus returns, he's wearing a robe dipped in blood. Revelation chapter 19, verse 13. There's a scarlet thread that binds every page of this book. You cut it and it will bleed. And so it's important for us to get a revelation of what the blood of Jesus means for a follower of Jesus, a revelation of it. And so this morning, 
I want you to receive the benefits of the blood, and I want you to receive it by appropriating this truth from our text today. Here it is. Because Jesus shed his blood, by faith I am redeemed, having the burden of my sin removed and the benefits of salvation released. And the first benefit of the blood of Jesus that I want to share with you this morning is the power, hear me, to please God. A benefit of the shed blood of Jesus is the power to please God. You see that Jesus in the text here in Luke chapter 22, verse 41, beginning at verse 41, sweat great drops of blood on his brow in Gethsemane so that he could purchase our power to please God. Verse 41, it says this, And when Jesus was withdrawn from them about a stone's throw, and he knelt down and prayed, he said this, Father, if it is your will, take this cup from me, this cup of suffering. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Then an angel appeared from heaven to him, strengthening him. And in being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. Then his sweat became like great drops of blood falling to the ground. And he rose up from prayer. And when he had come to his disciples, he found them sleeping from sorrow. Then he said to them, why do you sleep? Rise up and pray lest you enter into temptation. We find here in this passage that Jesus is sweating great drops of blood. This is a medical condition that doctors will tell you if someone is under great agony and anguish that the stress becomes so great that they can actually sweat blood. Jesus is in this moment in the Garden of Gethsemane getting ready to prepare to take on not only the physical suffering but also the emotional suffering uh, of the beating that was going to come and also the spiritual suffering that would take place for having the wrath of God placed upon himself. The sins of the world placed upon Jesus. The apostle Paul said it that this way, that he made Jesus who knew no sin to become sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Jesus sweat great drops of blood to purchase our power to please God. The problem is with you and I is that we excuse sin. We ignore sin. We deny sin. We rationalize sin. We justify sin. We blame others for our sin and we submit to sin. We find this in the first garden with Adam and Eve as God had blessed them and God had given them parameters of how they were to live and they ate of the forbidden uh, fruit and then sin entered into the world. And we find the last Adam, the Lord Jesus Christ, now in that same atmosphere, that same garden. And he says, not my will as Adam and Eve did, but he says, thy will be done. And in doing so, he sweats, sweats great drops of blood and this blood that was shed purchased our power to please God. Most people, how did you get, most of you, how did you get here today? You drove, right? You rode here in an automobile and I'll illustrate it to you like this. I, I try to try to help you to understand what this means and how God has empowered us to please God, please himself. So, so if, you're, you, if you have a car, the power is in the car to get you to where you're going. Now, if you're in your house and your car is in the garage, you cannot get to where you're going unless you place yourself in proper position. Am I right? In other words, you have to go into the garage, you have to open the door to the car, you have to get into the car, you have to turn it on, and you have to drive, right? 
The power is available to get you to where you need to go, but you have not positioned positioned yourself in order to get to where you need to go. You've got a problem. We need to put ourselves as followers of Jesus in position to have the power to please God. That position is what we know in the New Testament of being in Christ. When we place our faith, our trust in Jesus, we come and we bring our, our, our burdens, we bring our powerlessness to Jesus, and he gives us his salvation. And being saved, he gives us a new nature, a nature that desires to please God, a nature that has power within it, a nature that has been empowered by the Holy Spirit of God. And now we have the ability to say no to ourselves and say yes to pleasing God. God has put the motor on the inside of you as a follower of Jesus. We have to position ourselves in Christ. The power to please God has been purchased by the blood of Jesus. The second benefit of the blood is this, physical healing. Physical healing. Salvation, that Greek word means spiritual, physical, and emotional healing. Jesus shed his blood by taking stripes upon his back, upon his side, upon his arms, on the whipping post. Remember, um, if you've seen the Passion of the Christ, if you've read the text, the scriptures, uh, Jesus was, was put on the whipping post and he was scourged. He was whipped 39 times with a cat of nine tails. And these uh, barrel-chested Roman soldiers would take turns in beating him with this whip, this leather whip, and it had a ball, metal balls and, and it had lamb's bones in there. And when they would whip Jesus, they would pull back and blood and, and, and his flesh would be ripped off his body. The scripture says that he was beaten and bruised and that he was bruised and beaten greater than any man had ever been in the history of mankind. He suffered. He took stripes upon himself. He shed his blood and that you, for that you might would be healed physically, emotionally, spiritually. This is what Isaiah is referencing when he says in chapter 53, verse 4, the prophet Isaiah, before Jesus had even come, had even been born, he said, surely he has borne our griefs. That means sicknesses. He has borne our sins and carried our pain. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted, but he was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our inequities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him and by his stripes We are healed. Divine healing for the whole person was an important part of the gospel. We find Jesus proclaiming the kingdom of God. He's not just preaching salvation spiritually, but he's uh, he's preaching healing physically for the people. And the Bible says that Jesus healed the people that came to him. And God's blessings in salvation are the same as God's blessing in healing, physical healing, and that they come by grace through faith. They are a privilege, but they are not a right. You see the people coming to Jesus asking to be healed, not demanding that they be healed. But Jesus, in his great compassion, moved with compassion, laid hands on them. Oftentimes, he would speak a word over them and heal them. First Peter uh, chapter 1, verse 24 says this, He whom... 
himself bore our sins on his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness by whose stripes you were healed. In other words, to God, it has already been done. The benefit of the shed blood of Jesus is that you might be healed physically. The problem is that not everyone is healed. You've had maybe people in your life that you were praying for and they were not healed. You were believing for their healing. You were declaring their healing. Here's what I want you to know today. That even though you might not have saw that person healed, we can't define our understanding and our theology of God based upon our personal experience, but based upon what His Word says. We want God to fit in our formula. God wants us to live by faith because He knows what's best. God does not heal through formula, but by grace through faith. Our responsibility is obedience. His responsibility is outcome. So what does that mean for you and I? We are to pray for. We are to believe for healing. We are to declare healing. We are to ask God for healing. But we are to trust God by faith, that it's given by grace, unmerited favor, not anything that we have done or earned. It's not faith in our faith, but it's faith in who he is and what he's provided and by the grace that he's given. Physical healing has been purchased by the blood of Jesus. Finally, the last benefit of the blood as the team comes. The last benefit. The first benefit is power to please God. Jesus uh, shed his blood in Gethsemane, sweat great drops of blood that he would purchase our willpower, our ability to have a new nature and a desire to please God. Secondly, the benefit of the blood of Jesus is physical healing. He shed his blood, his stripes. The stripes were upon his back so that we, through faith in him, might believe and might receive physical, emotional, and spiritual healing. And finally, the third benefit of the blood of Jesus is peace of mind. Peace of mind. John chapter 19, verse 2, And the soldiers twisted a crown of thorns and put it on Jesus' head, and they put on him a purple robe. Jesus shed his blood in Pilate's praetorium, his governor's palace, He wore a crown of thorns to purchase our peace of mind. Maybe you're familiar with that passage of Scripture in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. It comes from the Christmas story. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and he shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. When that crown of thorns was pressed onto Jesus' head and he shed his blood and that blood ran down his face and onto his beard and they struck him in the face. He shed his blood that you and I might have peace of mind. You know how peace of mind comes to our life? Romans chapter 5 verse 1. And now being justified by faith in what Jesus has done, we have peace of with God. Philippians chapter 4 verse 7. This peace with God brings about the peace of God. And the peace of God 
which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. In other words, there is a supernatural peace that you have from the Prince of Peace, the Lord Jesus. There is a peace that no matter what you're going through, no matter what you've done, no matter what you're carrying, no matter how impossible the situation, no matter people have left you, people they've turned their back on you, no matter what you've done, no matter where you find yourself, there is a supernatural peace, no matter what the diagnosis is, no matter how broken you are, no matter how hard it is, no matter how difficult what it is you're going through, there is a peace that rests upon your mind because you have peace with God and now the peace of God is a supernatural peace that rests upon you and it's because the blood of Jesus has been shed for you. Hebrews chapter 9 verse 14, receive this from the Lord. How much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? The blood of Jesus doesn't just cleanse our sin. The blood of Jesus brings the peace of God. There's a man named Martin Luther. You might be familiar with him. He's the great Protestant reformer. He had a dream one night. You might could say it was a nightmare, actually. That he was having this dream and he woke up from his dream. And standing at the foot of his bed was the devil himself. The devil was holding a scroll. And on that scroll, the devil had listed all of Martin Luther's sins. Everything that he had done as sin against God. Martin Luther looked at that list and he was overwhelmed with the reality of his sin because he knew the devil was right. The devil was telling the truth as far as what his sins were. Martin Luther said in his writings, he said he began to feel his soul going down to the depths of hell. But God, he heard the voice of God in that dream. And he said, Martin, tell him to unroll the scroll. He said to the devil, Martin Luther did, unroll the scroll. The devil denied him, said, I'm not unrolling the scroll. Martin Luther said, in the name of Jesus, unroll the scroll. The devil rolled the scroll all the way down. Written on the bottom of that scroll were these words. The blood of Jesus Christ, God's son, cleanses us of all sin. Come on. The scripture, and I'm a beneficiary of that blood. The scripture says that Satan is the accuser of the brethren in Revelation chapter 12, verse 10. He, accuser, he accuses believers, the sons and the daughters of God, day and night before the throne of God. I find it interesting that before the very throne of the grace of God, this is the throne of grace that the accuser, Satan, 
The devil himself accuses the people of God before the throne of grace. He comes to them. He comes to us and he says, you know what? You have that anger problem. You, you can't stop this. He comes before us. He says, you have that lust problem. You can't give it up. You're the same person. He says, you know what? You have that addiction problem. You're addicted to alcohol. You cuss. You smoke cigarettes. You do drugs. You treat your family poorly. How can you sit here and say that you're a follower of Jesus? You are a hypocrite. You're going through your second divorce and you're never going to change. You're standing before the throne of grace, but the devil is accusing you day and night. But then I imagine the Father God leaning down to his children and saying, how do you plead? We look back up to the Father and we say, Father, I'm guilty. It's true. I have sinned before you. And the Father looks down to us and he says, don't plead guilty. Plead the blood. Don't plead sickness. Plead the blood. Don't plead failure. Plead the blood. Don't plead depression. Plead the blood. Don't plead fear. Plead the blood. Don't plead lack. Plead the blood. Don't plead impossibility. Plead the blood. Don't plead loneliness. Plead the blood. Plead the blood. The blood of Jesus has redeemed us. Peace of mind has been purchased by the blood of Jesus because Jesus has shed his blood. I am redeemed by faith, having sin's burden removed and salvation's blessings released. Those benefit me power to please God. Those benefit to me physical healing and those benefit to me and you peace of mind. If you would, at this time, take your communion cup. And I believe as you have gotten information that has brought about revelation that the word of God is true, that whatever that sin that has beset you, that thing that has been harassing you, that thing that you cannot break free from, that you are going to have power today by the Holy Spirit and by the new nature that has been granted to you by receiving the benefits of the shed blood of Jesus is going to be yours today. Lust must go. Anger must go. Addiction must go in the name of Jesus. He takes away, but he also gives. He gives freedom. He gives life. He gives strength. He gives power. I know that today as well, there are many of you that have gotten a doctor's report that doesn't look good. The doctor's report says maybe there's no hope. It's terminal. The doctor's report says that you're going to have to live with this. The doctor's report says it's not going to get better. It's going to get progress progressively worse. Some of you have been dealing with pain and sickness and it's brought about discouragement. It's brought about depression. It's even brought about thoughts of suicide, you wanting to end your life because of the struggle and this pain that you've been suffering through. The blood of Jesus was shed so that you could be healed. It purchased your physical healing. And finally today, 
the blood of Jesus was shed so that for your depression, for your anxiety, for your loneliness, for your thoughts of hopelessness, the blood of Jesus was shed to purchase your peace of mind. Jesus took those crown of thorns upon his head. He spilt his blood that you and I might have peace with God, that we might have supernatural peace of God, the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. And so I want you to stand up on your feet as you've taken the cup this morning that you've been given, and you have the bread as well. The cup with the juice is symbolic of the blood of Jesus. It's not the blood of Jesus, it's symbolic of the blood of Jesus. But there is power in what this symbolism represents. There's power in the blood of Jesus. Jesus shed his blood so that you could receive salvation's benefits. And this, and this piece, this wafer right here, represents the broken body of Jesus. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. Our iniquities is our sin nature. All of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. He was wounded for that, for you. He paid the penalty that you could not pay so that you could have relationship with God, so that you could be redeemed and reconciled to God and have peace with God. His body was broken so that you did, your body didn't have to be broken. His blood was shed so that your blood didn't have to be shed. And today, we are beneficiaries of this great salvation that Jesus has purchased for us. Our sins burden removed and salvation's benefits released. I want you to take that wafer and break it. And I want you to take it and receive it today. And then I want you to take that cup. I want you to take that cup in your hand. Thank you for the precious blood, Jesus. The blood that has power to cleanse. The blood that has power to transform. The blood that purchased my salvation. That purchased my peace of mind. That purchased my healing. That purchased power to please you. Thank you, Lord, for your body and thank you for your blood that was broken and spilled and poured out for me. You may receive it today. And as you receive it, be healed in the name of Jesus. Mind, body, and spirit today. I'm going to have our prayer team. They're going to make their way up to this altar this morning. If you know that God has spoken to you today, and you need to get right with the Lord. You were to say to me, Pastor Keith, if I was to die today, I'm not certain that if I stood before God, that my sins are forgiven. I'm not sure that I'm made right with Jesus. You guys spread out here as you're coming. We have people all across this altar, all across the front right now that are wanting to pray with you and for you. You don't have to do this alone. I know some of you feel like you're all alone. Today is the day that you receive a miracle. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day that you are made whole. Today is the day that you're healed. Today is the day in which you receive 
from the Lord, your breakthrough from the Lord. As you've taken those communion elements and you want to recommit, make a commitment or be prayed for all across this room as the team leads us in worship today. I want everybody in this room right now to bow your heads and close your eyes and nobody leaving for the next five minutes if that's okay, unless you absolutely have to. Let's be mindful of what Jesus is doing in this moment. It's a sacred moment. You see, Jesus purchased our salvation by his precious blood, but unless we apply it, then we are not beneficiaries of it. And today, Jesus shed his blood for me and for you that we might receive healing, that we might receive peace, that we might receive power. If you knew the Lord to break through in your life in any area, in your life individually, in your family, why don't you come as a response in faith and come forward today and receive your miracle. Receive your healing today. Receive your new beginning today. As we sing this song, join with us today. And I'm going to dismiss after we sing this song. Just come. Just come. Come receive prayer. Come on. Come on, receive prayer today. Come receive. You believe. Come receive. Come receive. Some of you are sick in your body. You need healing today. Come on, sing it where you are, right here. What happened today? I pray miracles over your life. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Some of y'all need a new beginning today. Today's your day for a new beginning. Come forward. Miracles, healing, salvation, deliverance taking place all over this room today. Come on, right where you are. Receive it right where you are. The power. Spirit in his name. That's it. Come on, receive it. The mighty name of Jesus.
Begins to t- he takes a towel around his waist and he begins to wash the disciples' feet. And Peter is there and Peter says, Lord, don't just wash my feet. How are you going to wash my feet? He says, wash my head also. Jesus says to him then, he says, you don't understand now what I'm doing, but one day you will. In other words, one day you're going to get this revelation. For some of you today is that day of revelation. Now is the moment in which you have heard and now you believe and you're ready to receive healing and salvation and forgiveness and new beginning and breakthrough. The things that have stood against you, now God is removing those things out of your way. A breakthrough is coming to your life even right now. And Jesus goes on to say, after he washes those disciples' feet, he says to them, I have given you example in order for you to follow. He says, you're blessed if you know these things, in verse 17. And then he said, he said, if you know these things, you're more blessed if you do them. In other words, it doesn't matter what you have. You have to apply what I've given to you. In order to apply that, you've got to receive, believe it. You've got to receive it. You've got to ask for it. Right where you are, even right now, ask for God to intervene. Ask for God to break through, give you that miracle that you've been praying for today. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. Our vision is that you would experience Victory Church as a place to call home. We do this by encountering God through worship, embracing community through relationship, and expanding the kingdom of God through service. Find out more about Victory at victorywinchester.com.